This is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together together every month. We talk about uh, teaching, teaching English, teaching English Japan. Today we're talking about a very interesting kind of contradictory notion of desirable difficulties. And so all of us are guilty of, at one point or another, making things difficult when they don't need to be. On the other hand, here, uh, what we're going to talk about is where, ironically, uh, increased difficulty can sometimes lead to increased learning. And it's not that simple. Otherwise, we wouldn't do a whole podcast about it. Uh, but it's a but it's a very interesting idea, and I think there's there's some stuff to be learned, and some things that I think Charles and I learn in uh, preparing for this. So, um, what's what's hard, Charles? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Figuring out where to start. How's that? It's. It's an interesting topic. We've tossed this around a little bit, hinted at it uh, a couple of times in the podcast. Mm-hmm, for example, mm-hmm. a while ago, we talked about how there's been some research that shows that if you use difficult fonts in like PowerPoint, and I actually had a seminar student who did her graduation thesis on this, that using difficult fonts actually leads to better um, and I'm just going to use the general word learning right now, but we're going to define this a little bit later and give it a, a better term because it's just too broad and it's too amorphous. But the idea is, and it's counterintuitive, I used contradictory, which it's also that, but it's the idea that if things are made difficult to an appropriate level, it's the age-old problem, the Goldilocks principle, mm, right? Not too much, not too little, just right. Pardon me? I said good qualifier. Yeah. 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 It's the key. Goldilocks is everything. <laughs> it's everything. You know, not too much, not too little, just right. And it's the idea that a certain level or an appropriate level of difficulty will force those brains to exert some energy or effort and at will result in better for lack of a better term uptake yeah 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 and that's what we're really looking at and trying to explore this topic because tony we've talked about this that the students really don't like it They really don't and, like and, the idea of things being made more difficult. They te- want things. Teachers don't like it either. <laughs> I think I think you get resistance from teachers and uh, from, resistance from students. But I think you get some resistance from teachers too. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a very interesting thing. And uh, a lot of the research the last ten or twenty years, um, f- when we were becoming teachers. When we were young, way, 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 way back then, um, in, in like a it was really different. different. And, era. Yeah. and so, so recently, I was I was at a, a conference here in Mexico, Mex Tisal, and uh, obviously, almost everybody there is younger than me, um, and they're doing presentations, and, and a couple of the presentations had a lot to do more with um, the physiological aspect of the, you know, the. the psycholinguistic aspect, but it was concrete. It wasn't just like guessing and stuff. They, they had real 
um, concrete applications for a lot of things. And this is, and this is one of those cases where for us, when we were becoming teachers, it's kind of a black box. It's like, you know, the brand, well, it's, you know, you do this, you do this, and yeah, somehow learning happens and stuff. But, um, uh, a lot of research is being done to nail some of the specifics. And, um, you mentioned, for example, um, I, what, what I think was for a lot of people, the watershed event where people start talking about this, um, the studies with the different typefaces and the fonts and, um, yeah, in San Francisco, um, they developed a whole font typeface. I don't think we need to want to get into the difference there, but if you want me, I'll, I'll, I'll go. But this typeface, sans song, if you want to go to the French, sans forgetica. And it, it was, I could, I can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> San Forgetica. And it was a study done in Australia where they had a, a whole box full of students, 96. And, um, they developed a font which all had kinds of missing pieces of glyphs of the font to make it more difficult for, to read, but in their studies resulted in better results on tests. Um, so it's an interesting thing. Um, on the other hand, as you said, with the Goldilocks things, like it's not just a question of making it difficult. It's not just like turning the brightness of the display down so that it's hard to read. Or <laughs> uh, if you're reading a book, it's like the take it far enough away from your eyes that makes it hard to read. That's not it. That, that's not what we're talking about. Um, but there is a zone. And, and as you said, the Charlie Locks, the golden Ch- Charlie Locks. I the like Charlie that. Locks. The Charlie Locks. I like is that. Is that kind we of should, like a salmon sandwich? That. That's a salmon sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the golden Locks thing was like, well, yeah, what you want in, in, in Japan um, I think it's just in Japan. I don't know that it's a worldwide expression, but the plus alpha. So you, mm. you have like the thing that makes it just a little bit more difficult. So you're not just like rehashing, going over what you already know, but it's like challenging you a little bit more. Um, well, that, that, that like opens the door to that learning. That's Krashen's N plus one. Yeah, there you go. And, Always, though, the problem, and this is what I think we want to address at some point, if possible, is exactly what is the plus one or what is the plus alpha? That's the hard thing. That's where the Goldilocks very problem hard, comes very in. Very hard. Except, except in vocabulary learning, where you can actually specify that. This, the numbers are pretty clear. Well, vocabulary, yeah. that makes it, It's very easy to get like right. hard objective data on that. Yeah, it's, I think it's the only area <laughs> in language <laughs> learning that has that kind of um, 
cleanness. Yes, it's very, very right? clear. You know, we can actually look at people, measure their vocabulary and say, okay, we now know that you're at this, you know, you're at 98% and of coverage on a text. You understand 98% words. And that's like pretty much the plus one is that 2% right there, the one or 2%. There but you go. I think in other areas, it's hard. And what we're looking mm. at, right, is what's the plus alpha? What's the plus one? But I think, Tony, that it's possible that it's not plus one anymore, that this is what the research is showing, is that it might be bigger than just plus one. It might be more, that alpha might be bigger than we think. Okay. And that's up for grabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely up for grabs. And um, we're ta really talking of that deliberate difficulty is, I think, Bjork, Bjork and Bjork. Okay. I think two, two researchers from UCLA, and um, you can f read what they've done. They're both, uh, you know, doing some interesting research. But the idea is that they were, you know, looking at what their students were doing. And, for example, one of the Borks, <laughs> E-Bork, um, <laughs> was noticing that um, students were complaining that they were really studying, but they were not performing well on their tests. And the other Bork, our Bork, found out that, uh, reported that by um, getting people to forget things <laughs> often um, led to more learning, which sounds really weird. So, and this all deals with um, different kinds of ideas, and we're going to talk about this, but, you know, retrieval and storage, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. So, at some point, we actually want to break this down a little bit more. But the idea is that we can answer, I think, the question of what's that plus one, what's that plus alpha right now for the difficulty level. Before it's been, I think, when we talk about that plus alpha or crashes and plus one, is the idea of, let's say, learned or acquired knowledge. And then it's just a little bit more. So it's easy enough to access the new information, the new data, and learn it or acquire it. What's being argued here by the researchers is that, no, 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 it's actually a lot more effort. It's not just an easy small jump above what was done before. And that's, I think, the key idea. And that might be different f and arguably might be something that a lot of people don't like. And I could understand that. But yeah, that, because it seems the, that's the, what the research dis the, the hard part about this is that the discomfort is an integral part <laughs> Of the prescription, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like son. This isn't going to hurt. It's like no, no. This is going to hurt. <laughs> Actually, I have you're, a you're story not, about. You're not going to like this. <laughs> I have a story about Go. that. <laughs> One time, I had um, viral conjunctivitis, not bacterial conjunctivitis. And the thing about viral conjunctivitis, it's also known as pink eye, but it was I had a really severe case. And the thing was. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts to think about this. Um, the eye drops are oil-based, not water-based, so they don't disperse on your eye, okay. so you have to rub them in. So the idea is that 
you've got, you know, your eyes are raw. They basically feel like glass. And then you have to put these oil drops into your eyes and then rub them in. And I remember I was sitting at the eye doctor's office and he looked at me and he just said, this is going to hurt. (laughs) And he was not, I mean, he was not kidding. I've never heard that from a doctor, right? This is going to hurt. And I think that's what we have to start telling students. This is going to hurt. This is part of the problem. And I could segue here, but it's the idea that students are, and I think as educators, we've got into the habit of making it as easy as possible to acquire the knowledge, making our lessons as clear as possible, making, you know, scaffolding the learning, giving students as much support as possible to make sure that every learner can understand what's going on. And suddenly you start reading things, right, which we're talking about today, which says, no, that might not be the best thing. It might be illusionary, right? It might not be a real gain that you're talking about here. And that's because you, um, again, I think this is Nuthall or Newthall who talks about this, although Newthall, um, but I do like Nuthall so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I like Nuthall. Yeah, I could I could actually have that name, <laughs> or actually I could go there. But it's the idea that there's a difference between performance and learning. That's, and that's performa- an interesting idea. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, and basically, it's that performance that is. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tony. Fun. No, no, I don't. I'm asking you. Expand okay. I was that, hoping please. I was hoping you knew. The I answer. know, <laughs> and I can't, and I don't know. And you got out of it very well. <laughs> so the idea is, as far as I understand it, is that performance is what students do on a test. It's what they can show. It's what they can indicate. Learning, on the other hand, is that internal process that we can't see, we can't know, until sometime later down the line, and. I think one way to look at it might be it might be the difference possibly between declarative and procedural knowledge. Okay. We know facts. We know how to, mm. but if I have to explain how to do something, mm. that's really hard. So the learning is not as visible to use John Hattie's term. Um and the example that was used and I think it was um um oh Rygaard, I think, or someone, was talking about that there was research and what happened is that they would have animals in a maze. And I'm imagining they're mice. I don't know. They didn't specify which animals. And these animals are just running around exploring the maze. And the assumption was is that, you know, there's no learning going on because there's no performance measures, right? Mm. And what happened is once they put like a reward at the end of the maze and then put the the animal into the maze, it was obvious that the animal had learned the layout of the maze Mm, mm, mm. without a reward. So that even though there was no performance measures, this like open-ended exploring, what I guess would be like an open-ended, an open world kind of, you know, computer game, Mm. this exploring without any specific goal, this exploring without any rewards did result in learning, but there was no way to see it. Don't want to measure it. Yeah, right. exactly. That's measure. beautiful. I, I love it. Yeah, that's it's right. great. That's really nice. Okay, so run with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just explained it. Well, so you but, but exactly. It. That's, that's the, one of the with so many problems that we have as teachers is uh, when you uh, actually think about learning and thinking about how it is 
we are to measure that. Um, that that's a huge problem all by itself, and we struggle with it all the time. Different levels of con- you know consciously or unconsciously, however we are. But that's always the case. Let's say because we've seen you know other people's tests, and it's like what the hell is this? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, our, our we have to look at our own and say, okay, what is it when we're or, you know, giving a test or giving a quiz, what is it that we're measuring? Are we measuring A? Are we measuring B? Is it C? Is it, is it learning? Is it just, is it rote memorization? Is it, it some kind of composite? Are we actually, are our quizzes, are our tests able to give us indication of how well our students are having knowledge, knowledge uptake, assimilating that knowledge to previous knowledge, being able to put it together and being able to synthesize language in a way that indicates progress in language learning. Yeah, good luck. Um, we're all fighting with that. We all, we all struggle with that. Um, and all of this plays into that. It's like, it's like, how do we teach it? How do we measure it? How do we tell the students that we're going to be measuring it? Um, is it's, well, that's what makes teaching hard. But yeah, amongst other things. Yeah. Well, well, there's all kinds of things that make it hard. There's no, no end of things to make it hard. But in yeah. terms of like the, this difficulty part, um, and we talked, uh, uh, we've had a podcast or two about l- addressing the, the question of learning styles and um, different learners uh, have different styles preferences. of teaching, references of situations, the, the way things go that that like feel good. And it, it maybe feels good because it's easy, but maybe they're perception is and i'm including myself in this perception is like okay well this is what works for me it's mm, the difficulties aren't there the frustration isn't there and however i'm being evaluated also tells me that okay i'm learning i'm getting the positive feedback so this this works and i want to continue doing this that might or might not be the most efficient way for me to learn this other language. Uh, the most efficient way might be for me to force myself or to have my teacher force me uh, out of my comfort zone and learn in a different way and i will i will i will buck (laughs) i will resist um but because it's not comfortable but it doesn't mean that it's not mm, the most efficient way for me to be learning this this other language and so how that works and whether it's something like a different 
font that I'm looking at on the page, or whether it's the pace of a, a listening assignment, or whether it's like the percentage of new vocabulary words in a given reading or listening, all of that enters into it. And, and we as teachers um, need to be aware that at some level and how we factor that into the mix and you know, up to us is like figure, okay, for, for this class, this, this particular group of students, what's the right recipe? How do we put that together? How do we put all together an interesting lesson that is both, you know, you know, going to, going to retain their interest and is going to also net results and a quiz and the tests, etc. So, I, and that's a, that's a tall order. I think you're right that trying to figure out what that point is, is important, but I think we have to, differentiate in technically speaking like with vocabulary you talk about um recognition right somebody can recognize that the word okay they see the word they say ah, i i've seen this word and then you have recall which is your ability to you know pull the word out right i'm gonna i tend to like to prefer the you know retrieval right Good, retrieval. so there's recognition uh, and recall tests right and recognition has some value Retrieval has much more value, and we're talking about storage. So the idea that has been proposed is that you can think that retrieval is time-sensitive, right? Initially, when you learn something, you're able to retrieve mm -hmm. it, and then you know that's the Ebbinghaus forgetting Sh curve. Short-term memory. Right. And that's how part of the thing we'll talk about, right, is that how do you get something from short-term memory, working memory, into long-term memory? Exactly. And that's why the difficulty, that's the key, is that it's big, when it's difficult, big, big, it big, big. does a big thing. But when looking at that, you know, so retrieval and storage, but I was reading something that was, was interesting. And it's the idea, for example, that – and it's how – to go back to what you're saying, though, is – Students, I don't think, really know what's best for them. That's the problem with preferred learning styles. There's no such thing as like, you know, learning styles, right? But there's preferred or, you know, the, the research and evidence shows that learning styles really doesn't make sense. But people have preferred ways to learn and that those preferred ways could be wrong. So, for example, students well not will, necessarily wrong but like not the most okay, efficient not the best okay oh, no sometimes they're just wrong <laughs> sometimes the idea that you're just going to memorize things for a test and then okay, take the okay. test okay that's so, wrong you're talking about other people not me okay good i, oh, I accept not, that no tony <laughs> because me. you're just absolutely perfect because my learning styles are perfect <laughs> right exactly exactly should we talk about the uh, no. dunning kruger effect now <laughs> Is that an appropriate time to bring that up? But <laughs> Appropriate, but not desirable. But, okay, so there was this interesting thing that I was reading, which is that it presents the fact that what will happen is students will read something, and then they'll go back and reread it, and they'll go, oh, yeah, I remember this, I understand it. But that's more, it's possible that that is a result of a priming effect. Sure. Right, that it's just a cue. And, and without that prime, right, but without the prime, without the cue, uh. 
there is no retrieval. There's no right. Recall. Right. It's just reinforcement of what's already there, as opposed right. to being forced. Like, like you read this thing, and now you're forced with like some questions. Right. And there's exactly. where the retrieval comes in. Right. And we also want to distinguish between information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has sometimes been described with language learning and the difference between learning and acquisition. But the idea or the way I define it is that information is data. Knowledge is connected information. And what we're really looking at, and I, I tend to forget this quite a bit when teaching, is that we're trying to help our students, our learners, develop mental models of what they're learning. So the idea is that they have an overall picture of what the pieces are and the lay of the land, the map, and what's the territory, so to speak. But if we teach these disconnected things, then naturally you're going to have information put into people's brains, but there's no connecting. And it's those connections that are key. And to go back to your the test idea, right, where you talk about just what you're testing. And I was thinking, and I think I'm kind of veering away here, Tony, but this is something that I've been really thinking about more and more is that the basic model of education that I see in Japan is to reward students' short-term recall and retrieval of information. Still. (laughs) Yes, you are correct. Rather than rewarding long-term, connected, synthesized... There you go. um, Connections and synthesis. That is is not part of what's rewarded there. At all. At all. All, except maybe, I think, in the engineering departments. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Right. Isn't that interesting? Well, what well, that's because what is they interesting? have to. Well, that's because it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's a real world. It's like, well, I, I think the bridge world. should this be is about... Ordering. So, this, we, so it's not like it's a foreign concept. It's like, yeah, we know. This is engineering. This is how it really has to work. But what are you doing? Like, English? It's like, meh. We don't Something want you. like you don't, that. You don't, you don't need to know that. Right. So the ideas that we're talking about here is, so you teach something, and every teacher um, knows this, where you teach something, and the students get it okay, and then a few weeks weeks later, you just quiz them again. Gone. And they're like, well, (laughs) that was from four weeks ago. Gone. But gone. I mean, what always makes me laugh, right? It's totally <laughs> yeah, gone. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it, but it's what funny they say. And tragic, but but, that's but that was from four weeks ago, and it's like, why do you think? Do you think I taught you something for one week? <laughs> why are you Why are you asking me something that you taught me four weeks ago? Oh, exactly. You already it was already on the quiz four weeks ago. Why Why are you asking so, me today? Right. So think about the mental model they're bringing into a classroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly that's exactly it. That right? period, the, the the students' concept of what their job is to learn, what learning is, especially. Can I say that? Especially with foreign languages, 
mm, for for a lot of the students. No, you know, obviously not for the foreign language majors, but when when it's a required English, it's just English. It's just a test, and so it's the test is the only thing that matters. The learning is secondary. It's like, it's like, why are you asking me to connect these dots? There, it's a, it's a, it's it's a block. It's just a complete stop. It's like, I don't understand what you're asking me. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. You asked me to move from this spot to this spot, but like, why are you asking me to do that again? Like a month later, it's like I did it already. It's like, well, no, you're supposed to remember. <laughs> all those connections and things and yeah this is how it goes and but yeah that's not that's that's not part of it their mental model as you said it is just test performance it's not any kind of integrated learning then uh, that's how it is but how, so what do we do Test them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that sounds uh, kind, of, kind of badass, kind of masochistic. Can I, can I go? But there's validity in that. It, the testing yes. is the thing. Yeah, and I want to address that. But before I do, something that came up while you were talking is that I wonder if you just explained why. And my impression is that there's a huge gap in the language ability of my students. And it's usually there are people who are really good at English. There are people who are pretty good. And then it moves to average. Huge gap there. And between those who are average or are okay, intermediate, let's say, it then moves to lower intermediate, false beginner. And there seems to be quite a gap there. And I think part of it is that there are those students who see it as, ah, oh, I want to learn the language. And something we do have to address, again, this is, you know, my big kick, is like most of the students are just taking the class because they have to. Right, exactly. I have to take the class. Either I want to learn I have to take or, this or class. I have to pass this class. I just have to get the credits. I have to I pass this credit. class so I can graduate so I don't have to take Sensei it again. time, Dekida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I, I always explain to my students at the last day of class, I say, the last thing you want to hear from your professor is – See you again. <laughs> They're like, what? I said, I don't want to see you again. They're like, I, I, what? That was one of my like, favorite phrases in Japanese. Yeah, right. Next year. <laughs> see you next year. I, I love it when they do that because they understand that. They really understand clearly. that 100%. Yes. Yes. So the thing that is that unless you do – okay, so – Assuming you have some students who are motivated to learn the language, whatever that means in motivation or motivation means, then I think testing is the thing to do because that's the only way to get the students to actually learn it. I know for a fact that, for example, I tell my students, review and take notes. And then I say, okay, show me your notes. And guess what? They don't take notes, a lot of them. They don't do the review. But if I say, okay, every class is going to start with a review quiz, guess what happens? Mm -hmm. 15 minutes before class, they're suddenly reviewing their notes. Yeah, individually and now, together and everything else, yeah. Right. So one way to deal with this and to prevent the real issue, because, you know, you say, well, that defeats the whole purpose. They'll just review right before the class and what's the point because they won't review later, 
is to always ask why questions, yeah. oh. which are really hard to grade. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, so the key is just ask one or two why questions or how. And ask students to write three or four sentences. Now, it's of course, it's not, you know, A, you know, 10 questions, A, G, you know, B, D, you know, whatever. But you can, but or, you, but you can, with effort, create like a, a weekly quiz with why questions with multiple choice answers. And over time, it'll be fine, which makes it much easier to create. But um, I want to underscore it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. And a lot of people initially think about that with the what you just said about like a, a weekly test and will bridle. It's like, uh, no, that's what all the students understand. It's like to me, it's like, no, no, because as we talked about at the very beginning, the retrieval issue uh, is a very important part of learning. And then when you can almost and somehow pull out the effort of remembering something uh, is a really big component of actually learning something. Yes. So once right. you, once you, when you almost forget something and then remember it, you're going to basically remember that. And yeah. what, what a really cool way to do that is with a uh, with a quiz question or a test question. And so, the quizzes or the the weekly quizzes, the weekly tests, however satisfying they might be from a statistic point of view, um, are actually very very useful teaching tools because forcing your students to go through that retrieval process. At, each time they need to go back and retrieve the answer to a, a particular question or item, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, grammar, vocabulary, does, it doesn't really matter. But that retrieval process, going back and retrieving it, reinforces that connection in the brain um, and is a very, very useful, valuable mechanism for solidifying that learning experience and that's great and if you can you know f make those quizzes tests in a way that's not onerous to you for for grading and so forth and so on it's and you know sit down you gotta like scratch your head and it takes some work but put that all together and where they are then each week being forced to put together, synthesize, connect the stuff that they did last week, that's valuable learning experience. That's valuable learning time. That's, that's time well spent. Time well spent. Yeah. And the key is that each test, let's say you – or quiz that you progressively go through includes previous material, one or two questions. Absolutely. Recycling. It is, has to do. Yeah. You have to recycle. Recycle. You recycle, have to recycle. recycle. That's what was always and, one of my weaknesses. Right. I never did enough of it. Encourage you all to just do as much of that as you can. Recycle and synthesize into the whatever is new. Pull it together. And then yes. like you just... 
test them, test them, test them, test them. Yes. Make, make them put it together themselves. Yes. Well, I remember one of the things that Paul Nation said in uh, one of his classes that I took where he just said, the most important thing you can teach is what you've already taught. Mm. Nice. It's a great point. Nice bit. Yeah. Nice it's, bit. It just says everything. And at first you kind of go, well, that's kind of like a waste of time. Uh, oh, oh, oh I okay. It. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. If I don't rev- teach it again, they won't get it. And, <laughs> you know, Tony, I, you know, we've talked about this, but I, I just went through an experience where I just – after I can't believe how just stupid and, you know, what a flat learning curve I have. <laughs> Yeah, um, all of us, man. All of us. Oh man, I think I know. I think I'm gifted yeah, in this yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks for your support there. <laughs> <laughs> That's like you. I, I think I need a lot of help. Yes, you do. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I, I think you know, your self-deprecation is a staple on this on this podcast. So we're all used to it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Charles. Go ahead. Come on. What do you, What well, do you really want to say? Oh, I don't know, but I do. I do. I do want to. I do want to do the. You know the Rodney Dangerfield joke where he. Well, there we go. He said, right, he goes to he goes to the doctor and he says, "Well, well, doctor, I'd like uh, what, what's wrong?" And he's, the doctor says, "Well, Mister Dangerfield, you're crazy." He says, "Well, I'd like a second opinion." And the doctor says, "Okay, you're ugly too." <laughs> Talk about self-deprecating. Go. Yeah, but, but I'm not that doctor. Yeah, but I want. So I want to just go back and. On the first day of my um, listening reading class, which ostensibly is supposed to be like a TOEFL prep class, but I tend to get m- what an you know, more advanced learners. I guess it's input, input, but usually it's reading and writing. It's like listening and reading. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's, right. it's, it's a, to- I think it's like, uh, well, it's receptive skills, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, because it's usually speaking and usually listening. Usually it's like speaking, listening, and reading, writing. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like okay. Yeah. But yeah, I can go off about the problems with listening skills. But ostensibly, it's a TOEFL prep class. But I have more, let's say, advanced students at the school. And I started the first day. I said, okay, listen carefully. I do not teach TOEFL prep. I will be teaching academic listening and reading skills because – TOEFL prep is to simply teach you how to listen to a passage or read a passage and answer the questions about it to prove that you understood it. But academic listening and reading is about you understanding what you read and hear and remembering it and being able to recall it later, you know, and use it. Very clear. Repeated that two or three times. Yeah, good luck. I can I can see, see where coming. I went. Okay. I know what's coming. <laughs> okay, so why don't you tell the story? No, no, no. So no. Anyway. I, I, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows what's coming. Yeah. I repeated it three times, and I said, I remember I went, listen, let me repeat it again. This is a key point. Write it down. Make sure you understand why I do this. Yes, magical three times. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. I click my heels three times, and it just, you know, gee, Toto, I don't think this is Kansas anymore for people who don't know the references from The Wizard of Oz. image of you in the ruby slippers, and it's not Oh, just please do not go there. Do not go there. Okay. Let's not go there. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we're not in Toto. We're not in Toto I'm, anymore, I'm thinking, Kansas. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of the scarecrow. If I only had a brain. <laughs> we're not in Toto anymore, but Kansas. 
I clearly stated it three times, said, check with your classmates, make sure you understand this, right? Mm. I said, stop right now, check, make sure. What okay. could go wrong? You, 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 you uh, raise your hand if you understand, right? Two weeks later, first question on the <laughs> review quiz. Why am I not teaching TOEFL, right? And Or, you know, was something like, what's the difference between preparing for the TOEFL and learning academic listening and reading skills? I'm going to guess 95 students. One student answered the question correct. Mm. Now, there's a multitude of variables, and variables is the polite word here. I asked students, do you understand? I had them check with each other. They didn't understand it. They pretended to understand <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, all, the, all the, the things we've talked about. All in the, the things that could possibly like, oh, yeah, go confirm wrong. Confirm with your peers. Blah, right. Blah, blah. So I. Where's the failure point? Right. Where the multiple failure points. That's the thing. Probably the, the, the locus of the, the failure points is me. But I ended up, uh, you know, scoring the quizzes. Um, the highest score was 60 points out of 100 because there were some other things about um, a TED Talk they had to watch. And I, I told them that they could watch the TED Talk with Japanese subtitles or English subtitles. They could speed it up, slow it down. They could look at the transcript, etc. The next class, I'm going to ask them that question again, and I'm going to see what happens because they had the question. Now, here's for fun. What do you think is the expected outcome? What's the outcome you expect from that? But ask them the same question again. Only one person answered. They had it on the quiz. What do you think is going to happen on the next quiz? Almost no same difference. Same question. Almost no difference. Okay. Let's and see I have happens. no idea why. That's a mystery. Mm-hmm. That's the mystery of mm-hmm. like how, how to get to get inside the, the student's head. Um, and I don't say that as a condemnation on the students. I'm saying it as much as condemnations on ourselves. Um, it's as hard as we try, you know, sincere effort. Um, we're not getting in there a lot of the time. And I don't know how, and I don't know why. If I did, it's like, I would have a podcast, and I would like, like talk about how to get into. You'd <laughs> have a podcast and talk about teaching. <laughs> yeah, if I did, I'd have a podcast and talk about. I'd have teaching. a successful podcast. But like, yeah, and I, but but the, our podcast is not about us like telling you what to do. It's like no, our podcast is about like, like hey, we're like you, we're struggling, and we're figuring out how to do. What we're right. trying to do, and you know, we're, we're just trying our, trying our, sharing our struggles with you. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, that, you know, our, our job is a series of walls. And, you know, it's like you, you cross one wall, it's like, and your reward is another wall. Then you got another wall to, to, like, and so, like, interesting today, it's like we have an error. Our, our morning coffee here, and we're looking at our yard, and we've got this, um, you know, wall. And there's a couple of um, grasshoppers, locusts, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they've been there for a day or two. And um, I watered the lawn, and so they, they, they started crawling up on the wall to get out of the water. 
And um, it looks like they're maybe trying to get out, and they're they're on the wall. They don't they don't move much, but they're kind of on the wall. It's like you know, Allison says, "Look, it's like well, look, they're trying to get like over the wall." And it's like, "Well, I don't know." It's like you know, they're maybe, and they struggle and they're doing the hardest they do to get over the wall, you know. But you know what? You know what's on the other side of the wall? Our next door neighbor's walled yard, another set of walls. <laughs> it's like there's. They feel constrained by this wall, and they're trying to get over this particular wall. There's just another wall there. And that's, yeah, don't waste your time. Just give up. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, that's the thing. That is that existential question. It's like, you know, you don't know what's on the other side of the wall. But, you know, what we're confronted with is this particular wall. And it's like, we need to sit here and maybe listen to this podcast and try to figure out how to get over this particular wall. And maybe next time, next time, next time, the podcast will address how to get over that particular wall. But it's it's pretty pretty much a, a microcosm of life. It's like, yeah, it's a series of walls. And it's it's like, do you wanna do you wanna measure how many walls you've overcome as a measure of success? Well, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I made well, my students. I made my students do this, 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 this. Or how well did I, I, I cross this wall? What? How? It's like, and 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 that's part of it. And it's like, and there was like, you know, looking back, my my teaching career, it's not the big stuff. It's like little stuff. It's like that that one student who never. I'm going back 30 years, 25 years. Charles, this was at that school we were taught together. Um, they had that one student. She was, she never spoke a word of English in any of our classes, except mine. And I was like, so, so I'll call her Sachiko for whatever. Sachiko, son, what did you buy? bread came back to the teacher's room Sachiko said bread the student said one word in English <laughs> is this a great wall is this a <laughs> is this some some great thing no one one of my students said an English word as far as I know it's the only English word she ever said at, at that school and what we're trying to trying to make the connection between that and this, um, how to optimize what our actions are in the classroom, how we can get different things that we can do to get optimal output from the students, not just output, not just performance we were talked about, but actual connections and synthesis and stuff. It's a it's an amazing thing. It's fun. It's it's cool. It's good. It's it, and it's 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 worth our time and our effort. And if you don't believe that, then maybe it's the wrong career. Yeah, yeah. It's a small victories. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we have to remember that they're not our walls; they're the students' walls. But I have this image of like <laughs> having a student climb over the wall, 
And then the student comes back and says, oh, Mr. Wiz, there's just another wall on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there other walls after that? Yeah. And it's like, ah, you figured it a, out. A grasshopper. <laughs> right. But that's part of the problem. It is. But it part of the problem, problem is, is that. It's part of the beauty. It, but that's, that's how life is. Okay. Right. So that's the that's part of the constraint um, that we work with in Japan is this incredible amount of learned dependency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's the biggest problem. So uh, that, I did something. Yeah, learned there, dependency. That's a, that's a really big, 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 that's big It's a big one. problem. And it's not a wall. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a huge ocean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did something different this semester. Semester is just kind of it's a pretty new semester by the time this podcast comes out it'll be about two you know five six weeks in and in the this is again in the listening and reading class and i looked at my students and i gave the homework assignment and students said where is this written down and i said nowhere (laughs) and they went huh i said it's a listening class also i'm not going to write written down The homework assignment. Listening, dude. Listening. It's in the title. Exactly. And I said, (laughs) and I said to them, you need to listen and you need to make sure you understand because I'm going to give you the assignment. It's not written down anywhere. If you don't do the assignment and follow the directions, you're going to get zero points. It was very interesting to see. <laughs> the reactions must have been amazing. I, I, I'd love to see those faces. Oh, it was a such video. a range of I love a video reactions. of this. This would be perfect. I should have. This is I beautiful. should have. Because you could just see some students were panicking. Some were really, really angry. Right? Most and of them just the angry didn't understand ones. what the hell you were saying. It's like, I understand the words. I don't understand they don't, what Yeah, right. But again, and so it's getting really meta at this point. So I, I, I had to repeat it, you know, and again, I'm using, I'm pretty good at, you know, getting simple English and I'm a pretty clear speaker. So I said to them, listen now, <laughs> look at me, <laughs> listen, this is the homework. It's not written down <laughs> homework number one <laughs> and they're furiously writing <laughs> oh oh i see now now, I get now it. you're motivated no, to take notes no, 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 no. Like, now this is uh, this is what i have to do and yeah that that, that whole structure is, is that oh that, that that's a huge battle and that, that's 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 oh. It's a battle that can only be lost. Yeah, yeah. You you, you, you got to choose your targets. You got to choose. You, you've got to right. choose your battles much more carefully. Right. You can't like yes. you can't expect to win the war. You can just like win small battles. But it was really fun when I said, "This is academic English." Listening to the assignments and understanding the assignments. Right. You know, I was trying to explain. This is like I'm teaching you useful things here. <laughs> They're like, "Oh yeah, right, useful, hey, yeah, yo. right, well, yeah." Sure, sure. What do I need this for? Yeah, useful. Yeah. Ding. Okay, so we've kind of covered it back and forth. All right. So that's um, kind of. By the way, I just want to toss out one other thing. Great quote from John Hattie, um, talking about feedback related a little bit to this, where he basically says something to the effect of. Um, if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, and there's no reason to give 
feedback, you know, positive, you know, positive feedback. Oh, you did this right. It's just, you know, students will become dependent on the feedback of like, oh, he told me I did well. I need to hear the be well. And the point is that feedback is really just useful when someone's made a mistake. It's corrective feedback. And that's also something which is we have to, you know, again, is to tell the students that uh, you got this wrong. Give them the feedback, explain why they did it. And then say, the question will come up again. And of course, naturally, they'll just, you know, what's the correct answer? (laughs) So let's look at what are specific strategies teachers can do to get this uh, difficult, desirable difficulty, the Goldilocks. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. So the desirable difficulty, we we, we, we struggle with that. But I I think we kind of. We, we we went all over the place, but I think we kind of made a case for that. But I think this positive negative feedback thing is maybe worth revisiting. I think at another time. Yeah, yeah another podcast is like, like, well, that's a real interesting thing. For like yeah. for you, because you and I, we, we, we're old. We've been with you for a long time, and to see how that has worked for us, but. Um, but yeah, maybe now I could kind of summarize what we've talked about and how that might be applicable. Um, I would say, you know, we, we didn't mention it at all this time because we've, we've talked about it a couple of times before. But just the importance of um, a paying strict attention to your students' level specifically, but more generally... Needs assessment, we, we, we beat needs assessment to death for good reason. Um, it's really important. Uh, really, I think, like for like a aspiring teacher, a newer teacher, um, when you meet your class for the first time and, and how you address them and how you present yourself, that's your deal. That's your... How you do that? that, that you're, you're the teacher, but the really important thing is to do whatever you can, however you can. It doesn't matter whether it's just subjective, and you know if if, if you have the confidence, um, some kind of objective test, something like that, just to assess. It's like really get a good, clear level, and and because classes can be they can be very deceptive. They can give you a completely wrong impression. You might think that they're really this good and they're not anywhere near it. And they, they can be sandbagging and you think that they're like nothing. And it's like, Wah! and they just blow you out of, out of your seat. And it's like really good needs assessment and just figure out what their level is. Um, I think that's really important for, for everything, right? For everything that follows. Um We've talked about uh, retrieval and constructing our quizzes or our tests in a way that um, brings out what you've done in class, what you've asked them to do, whatever they've been able to ask to produce, uh, to, to bring that out again. Reinforce that. Beat down those paths. Reinforce those connections. Um, and you, um, all of us, we remember best 
what we almost forgot. So like you, you get like a, a, a question on a test and it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know that, I know that. It's like, oh, what the hell was it? It's like, oh yeah, okay, got it. You're, you're going to remember that. And you want to create your quiz and your test to, to elicit that kind of thing. Um, I got some more stuff. Here's Charles, but yeah, anything else you want to add to that? No, just go ahead. Why don't you keep go going? With what you okay. Got. Yes. Please. All right. Um, variable timing, which we didn't talk about at all today, but um, in terms of recycling content, it's like okay, you you do something, you present some new material, some some new you know grammar, vocabulary, whatever it is today, and then you give them a quiz next week. It's like and you have that same pattern. It's like that's not the most efficient. So yeah. You don't have to do it next week. You never know. It's going to be two weeks, three weeks later on. It's like they're going to be caught off guard. Eh, fine. But they're going to be forced to try to remember. And that effort to try to remember very likely is going to result in connections to what they what, what they did, what you did in class several years ago. Something else that we didn't talk about much today Peer teaching, having your students, you know, put them into groups, whatever, whether you assign or whether they choose somebody to have somebody explain something to somebody else, whether it's pairs or groups, doesn't matter. You can do it like, you can do it like several times in one class. It's like, okay, here's one point. It's like, stop. It's like, okay, two pairs, two pairs, two pairs, people. uh, Okay, now explain what we just did. Someone having to explain something to some, to somebody else. You never learn anything so well as when you have to teach somebody else. Doesn't matter whether it's archery, English, karate. Doesn't matter when you've got to explain a specific thing. It's like teach somebody else how to do it. That it reducing it and making it simple. That is the best way to not only evidence your own understanding of it but also to solidify that knowledge, expertise in your own mind. Um, nothing pulls it all together than having to explain to somebody else. And if you can find a way to like use that in your classroom to have some one, several, I don't know, whether it doesn't matter, pairs or groups, have them teach each other, explain to other people what you've just taught them, for those students, it's going to be an amazing learning experience. Um, when you make your t- quizzes, your tests, uh, not only make it an evaluation exercise and make it say what they've got, but always also keep a mind like to learning opportunities. Make your quizzes, make your tests, not just evaluation elements, but make them learning opportunities well they should always be learning right exactly you you make that always for like another step it's like okay this is a chance for synthesis pull together different elements of things that you've taught them pull it all together and not only does it like give them the, the make the connection in their brain but it gives them the satisfaction of pulling the things together and say Wow, I was able to do this. You, they, 
they experience the joy of making those connections. They experience the joy of learning, which is something else that you can do with your tests that make it such a special thing. Um, And then you might have your students listen to this episode of the podcast (laughs) Um, where we're trying to talk about and get students, find a way for students to learn better, easier, more. Um, They might appreciate it. So uh, that's that's another thought. That's what I got. I would add a couple of things. Go. Or two, really. That's a couple. That's a couple. (laughs) Not a few, a couple. (laughs) One is you could always have students write the test questions, starting with why and how. Don't – you have to specify that they have to write questions with why and how. Okay, is one thing. Because otherwise they'll just write, what does this mean? Sure. What does this not mean? How many? The other thing you can do in a test – actually, this could be a few things. When you give, let's say, um, like a traditional vocabulary test, we would you know, ask students for recall or retrieval. You could do something like, in what situation – simplify it, right? When would you use this word or how would you use it? So if you teach students a word, for example, um, like sample – and they learn the word sample, and you say, okay, when would you use it? And the student has to write, oh, when I go to a department store, I can ask for a food sample. Well, that student has just demonstrated understanding, and you've just helped them really you know, put that word deeply into storage. The other thing is don't just um, take a gap activity. We all traditionally think of information gap activities or vocabulary gap activities, I suggest you create knowledge gap activities that um, is work building upon what you just said, Tony, where students teach each other. But here, one student has the knowledge and they have to complete some kind of task. And so that gives them more of a goal to work towards. But I think that your suggestions are really good, especially the one about teaching where students are responsible for teaching each other is so true because as you said any teacher knows that if you want to once you if you have to teach something you really learn it because <laughs> otherwise you can't teach it and create again the mechanisms where by it's possible you could for example put students into learning groups and say that one student is responsible for the review each week and so week one, you know, student A has to do the review for the group. Week two, student B has to do the review. But I think you're right that the key is to do a lot of this in peer groups and get the students to actually work. And remember, the thing is I always say to my students, and it makes complete sense now that I think about this difficulty issue, is I don't want to work. I want you to work. <laughs> <laughs> and – I think those are some things you can do. But the key is that the we talk about, um, you know, uh, different kinds of tests. But if the test question or the quiz question or the activity, number one, is not a learning opportunity, then please go back and revise it. 
And number two, it becomes a learning activity because it causes students or gives them an opportunity to connect the information they have to create knowledge. And that's why you might want to think about, again, how questions, why questions, rather than how do you, you know, what does, what does this word in Japanese mean? That's just pure memorization, right? So those are things that make it more difficult, but will increase, you know, the amount of information that is stored, but also that can be retrieved at a later point. And I think I can pretty much stop at this point. Right, and I think your um, your emphasis on the how and the why questions are important. Uh, very, very different, and and it, it strikes to the very core of like um, education in Japan. And you talk about um, information retrieval versus in synthesis. Uh, I think that's key, and and I think that's an important point not to be missed, that those how and the why questions are really key. And that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right. So, I'm Charles Wiz. There we are. And I am Tony Silva. And everybody knows the rest if you've been listening. (laughs) You can reach us at twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. There you go. And... um, anywhere else and two teachers talking.com right yeah that is which is two teachers talking two teachers talking no gaps that's where we are you'll find us good all right tony thanks be well yes you too thank you charles okay see you bye